Connects Media, this is Atlanta Born and Brand. I'm your host, Jonathan Hilliard. Atlanta Born and Brand is a show all about businesses built right here in the capital of the South. But more importantly, it's a show about their founders. We wanted to find some of the city's most interesting entrepreneurs and creators, hear about their challenges, successes, and how they built a brand that will last. Often when we learn about history, whether it's taking a stroll around a museum or watching a documentary, the learning process can be a one-sided conversation. Our guest today is hoping to change that in Atlanta and facilitate a conversation between seekers of knowledge. So much of Atlanta's identity and history has been shaped by the civil rights movement, but how much do we really know about this crucial period of our history? Today, we're sitting down with Nedra Deadweiler, founder of Civil Bikes. The mission of Civil Bikes is to bring attention to unseen and unheard stories about Atlanta. Listen on to find out more about what Nedra and her team are doing to connect the city through education. Well, welcome in, Nedra. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, it's nice to be here. Thanks, Jonathan. Absolutely. And we were talking a little bit offline uh, beforehand, but, you know, something we like to to open the show with is if you bump into somebody on the street and they, and you introduce yourself and they say, well, Nedra, what is it? What do you do? What's your, uh, what's your sort of 30 second intro to, to folks to kind of explain to them what, what you've got going on? Yeah, sure. So that's always a hard question for me because I'm just like, I'm kind of, hey, how you doing? Like, how's life? How you feeling? Kind of a person. Yeah. Uh, but if it was, this is what I do, I would say, I think I would go back to that community building that mm. um, I, at heart, I'm a social worker and I really want to bring people together uh, across differences, across sameness. And uh, that is my work. And mm. I like to be creative. I like to work with friends. Um, as I'm, you know, building community, it is those people that I like to work with and interact with and um, do things in a collaborative way. So that's yeah. what I would say. That's what I do. Awesome. Well, and I want to get into how you got to that point too. But if somebody asks you the same thing about civil bikes and say, mm -hmm. hey, give me a rundown of what civil bikes is, what's, what's kind of your quick description for that? Sure. I would say that we get caught into being a tourist group. Um, however, it is about community building. It's about bringing people together around history and place uh, so that we can recognize uh, like really who we are, because that is what informs our identity. Um, so I would say we do it biking and walking um, and it's around Atlanta, but really this could happen anywhere. And actually, I'll say over the years of doing this, I've seen various types of um, explorations who are trying to get to the stories that's underneath and not yeah. just like you know an architectural tour I mean those are fun but we try to go a little bit deeper we want to go right deeper. yeah yeah I always say to my you know to my friends building history is cool people history is is more fun <laughs> you know it's just there's there's another level of of uh just understanding that comes along with kind of figuring out the people that, uh, you know, and sometimes I wish, you know, the, the technology that we have today, you just think, man, what if, 
in this era, they had the ability to pull out their cell phone and record videos of these folks that we can now then go back and and watch and see, you know, where their mindset was. Instead of, we do a lot of guessing in history, you know, about context uh, between events that happen. Um, so I do think that's that's going to be something cool for the next generation is to have all this added context that that we don't have even about our parents generation so that's cool but um well nedra tell me uh where did you grow up how did this all start for you and what sort of sent you on the path towards like you said being a social worker and um and was history always kind of a part of you know something that interests you yeah, I mean, it's a really good question because I feel like it's taken me to this point in my life to really understand my whole life so far. <clears throat> and But I grew up here. I'm from Georgia uh, and born in Atlanta. Uh, we moved to Griffin, my mom's hometown. My grandparents were there. They worked in Atlanta, so we moved back to Decatur. I grew up in DeKalb County. So, okay. uh, and I did my undergrad at Ath in Athens at Georgia. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I was here for a very long time until uh, my mid-20s, I moved to New York. So I had 10 mm. years away and I came back. But I would say primarily, I think, you know, it's, it's a couple of things. I grew up, I will say, largely intergenerational, you know, like mm. we had our, our nuclear family, but we had extended family was very much a part of our lives from aunts to grandparents. Um, and so I think that really informed who I was and my identity. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, uh, and I think just like moving forward from that, and that whole conversation of how much of history was in your life, I think, in school, kind of what you were saying earlier, history was very much like facts and dates and, you know, this war happened mm -hmm. here, and this was a result of that war. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, a blur, like, okay, I just, I don't understand where the people fit into that story mm. and that narrative. Um, and I always would ask questions, like I have this one uncle, and he, and I think this is just his nature, because I see he does that with his grandchildren, too. He would really just sit and entertain my questions of like, my, why? Mm. Why is it like this? What did what yeah. happen? How, you know, and um, many of those questions were around race, you know, was around mm. like gender, even from a young age, I just didn't understand why things were the way they were. Yeah. And it didn't make sense what I was learning in school. So, mm. um, so I, I think it was having the ability to question too, and to sure. sit in difference. I, I, uh, so what is it? Uh, I was born in the 70s. So things were uh, like I bust to school. Now mm. there's like school choice and charter school um, at your educational life. Homeschool is a big thing now. So it's like people have agency over who their children go to school with. And yeah. um, but when I was a kid, um, if I wanted to go to, I'm not saying that my neighborhood school was not great, but it was crowded, you know, mm. I, one of third and fourth grade, it was, I was in the same, in a classroom with third and fourth graders. So it's a, it was a crowded classroom. Um, I, so the next year I, I bus to um, a school on the North side. So like having this, um, and then we went to an integrated church. And so a lot of my life became, it wasn't just my family, 
it became this exposure to um, another, another world and society. So things are very different. But just recognizing the difference of like side of town in the same town, right. you know, or even like rural going back to my grandparents' house and living in DeKalb County, like all the, the change. So um, it's, it's it, well, W. Du Bois coined the term double consciousness. And so it's like mm. double consciousness and feeling very much like the other all the time, kind of an outsider. And that is really, I still feel that way in my, in my being, you know, like I feel like yeah. an outsider. So um, for me, it's always trying to connect with other people and understand who they are. So I will say, I don't think that that is unoriginal to me um, within my family, because uh, I think, you know, Black folks, the way we were, um, is even in rural society, it was just like, um, you know, it was like this mutual support. We're here together. Mm -hmm. And hearing stories of my grandparents and just like, um, you know, be at their house on the weekend, someone would bring like, there was this guy who would bring them fish, you know, who'd always just bring them fish, mm -hmm. you know, someone always bring them something. My grandfather was a pastor. My grandmother had done a lot with children, um, but people were always bringing them things, you know, or she would take them things, you know, and so it's just like seeing this exchange and that sort of care and attention. Yeah. Um, being a social worker was not an odd thing. And just also having a large family, there was always sharing. <laughs> I was an older cousin, so give my clothes to my younger cousin or toys. There was an always an exchange. So um, it wasn't un helping and trying to be there for other people was not a was not an odd thing. Um, yeah. I guess for people who were social workers too, but maybe didn't have a degree, you know, didn't have an MSW or something after sure. the game. Um, but yeah, so I became a social worker because uh, it was like be a teacher, be a social worker, or be a history teacher. You know, it was just like <laughs> it was. It would have been something with children because yeah, you know, well, played yeah, role. Came a little bit of all those things. <laughs> right. So, no, you struck a good balance there. And no, you bring up something that's that's so powerful in um, you know, especially in larger families that are uh local and families where, you know, folks don't move away and scatter. That sense of community and sharing and social work. Um you're right. It's just kind of in, ingrained in us. Um, you know, I grew up in a family. My grandparents were six and seven hours away. I didn't have any cousins locally. Mm -hmm. So like when I would go to family over holidays and we would all be together, it was just this like, man, this is good. You know, this is different. You know, I wish there was this built-in community with me at home. And so I've grown to really appreciate what, what families like that do just for mindsets for, for people growing up of, okay, like life's difficult. And if we are going to do this, we're gonna have to come alongside each other and, and help with that. So to hear that that sort of shaped you uh, and kind of molded you in a way is, is super powerful. Thank you for sharing that. But uh, I wanted to, uh, you know, you mentioned going to UGA. Did you know kind of career path where you when you're at UGA, what, what you wanted to head towards or what were you working towards there? Uh, I think I entered could have entered education. I, th I think I changed my major three times. Really, when I went to college, I wanted to be an artist. I wanted mm. to be a painter. 
I had a, uh, my, I took art maybe my junior, senior year at Mr. Glass, who has since died of, um, he has since passed away, mm. but he was a really fantastic art teacher. And, um, and so I wanted to be a, a painter. My mom was like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> good luck. That's, yeah, good luck. <laughs> you need to figure something else out. Yeah. But um, I volunteered with some friends. We volunteered at a camp. It was Camp One O'Clock. It was for kids who have hemophilia and other blood disorders. Mm. And um, I think we went to some informational meeting. Camp Twin Lakes, you know, they have like yeah. these specialty, specialty camps. And sorry, my dogs are barking. No um, <laughs> and it was it was going to that informational session and the group of us deciding to go together. And we got to camp and it was just like amazing. Um, it was amazing to see children who, for the most part, it was only seven days out of the year that they can really be children. You know, most of the time they were like in their house <laughs> because yeah. if they got injured at the time, um, like there were some camp counselors who had contracted AIDS because of we hadn't figured out blood transfusion and how um, it was um, transmitted. Um, so, you know, it was like very cautious life but it was um they can come there and and be a, a kid and it was a lot of play a lot of fun um and the camp director um her name was karen i don't karen schaefer and got to know her she went to georgia she became a social worker and i was like if this is what i get to do every day is make a difference in a kid's life then I, that's what i want to do sign me up yeah uh, so i became a social worker after that experience and and yeah, getting to know her and, and um, what it, what the possibilities could be. So. Yeah, no, I've heard a lot of folks just talk about like the impact of programs like Camp Twin Lakes, just on like perspective, even for folks that are working there mm -hmm. um, of just seeing, like you said, the opportunity for these kids, like just to escape, you know, some really tough stuff and kind of, like you said, be a kid for, the first time you had dogs and I'm about to have a train. So heads up there, but uh, yeah, real life. Um, awesome. Well, so you, you journey into this social work space. Uh, how do you go from social worker to sort of thinking up and, and starting to iterate and invent sort of this whole thing of your own? What sort of led to uh, what you're doing with civil bikes? Yeah. It's a good question too, um, because it was not an easy trajectory. Yeah, there's probably a lot of like bumps and bruises along the way, uh, but always questioning like what is my purpose? I mean, I, I grew up as a Christian, um, and so uh, a lot of a lot of that was you know, I think during that time too was thinking about your purpose in life was that was a part of my walk and and trying to um, be true to that. And so, um, and even now, I'm not necessarily expressly a, a Christian, but the idea of purpose is something that is meaningful to me that I reflect on. You know, why am I doing this? And so it was that, it was also being burned out. <laughs> like, yeah, I got drained as being mm -hmm. a social worker. I worked with adolescents. I think it's, a, it's an amazing time in life, you know, again, childhood, um, 
young adulthood, like that's an amazing time. So much happens, mm-hmm. but kids are also, they're at the will of society. You know, they have no autonomy and they get hurt. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that was listening to um, and hearing and, and holding a lot of, you know, holding space for young people. I didn't have the skills to, to do self-care at that mm-hmm. point. And um, yeah. yeah, it burned out. And, um, but I, it, it, so that's one thing I was just like, I got to find something else to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's yeah. another search, but then I also had left the South and I moved to New York city and then I moved to Seattle. So, um, the exposure to, uh, I mean, I had friends of various backgrounds and, you know, nationalities, you know, had been first generation and, or, you know, friends who are white, um, different different kinds of black people you know coming mm. from other parts of the country or world but um it wasn't until i moved to new york city that i could enter into a community you know i could go into like the jamaican part of town or like mm. chinatown or um uh, go up to where um hamilton heights uh, you know up to the heights and see puerto rican and dominicans and mm-hmm. it was a whole different and, and like feel that culture um, and so I think that was a, of like, um, finally I felt immersed in a world where there was so much variation that I felt like, oh, okay, I, I fit in here. But then it was also through that being able to learn more about history and about culture of other communities too. Um, and so, you know, it was just like that traveling and living and then living in Seattle and, and having the confrontation of nature but then also the confrontation of race in a way that I didn't have, that I felt uh, maybe I was protected from in a sense of growing mm. up in the South with my family primarily. Yeah. Um, and then being immersed in a very diverse city, it wasn't as apparent, but moving to the Pacific Northwest, it was really stark. Um, yeah. I just, I was one of few black people that I would mm. see on a regular basis. Mm. And there was always this disconnect. And so, um, but yeah, coming back home, um, the, the thing that really where it connected to me, um, was I went on a, a trip with a friend who was a journalist. We went to Alabama and, you know, 2012, 2013, it was 2013 was when we went. But, um, in that time period, Alabama had started, uh, maybe they, now I know they, they got a grant, <laughs> like a world history grant. And they were mapping out their civil rights tour and um, oh, their civil rights sites. Um, there was a lot of memorialization to the Confederacy. They had identified a lot of their indigenous history. Um, and now they were doing some of that around, um, it was around civil rights history. So, yeah. um, and that is what we went, you know, we went on this, like, um, the tour, her name is Tina. She was the tourism director and, um, we were, I think maybe she was in Tuscaloosa. So we drove around, um, surrounding towns and even in Tuscaloosa. And she talked about the sites and we met people who, you know, they were foot soldiers. They were children during this, the civil rights movement and, and had, um, this one woman who has since passed as well uh Teresa Burroughs uh in Greenwood or Greenville um she was in what had been a safe house for Dr. King um and she told us you know all these stories 
and just sitting there listening to her talk about it it was so compelling like we were probably there for like an hour and a half you know just like soaking up her her time but then also her stories sure um and just seeing all the artifacts we went to a barber shop and I don't, and he, he had been a, a pastor, was a barber, but you walk into his barber shop on like every stitch of wall, it was covered from newspaper articles, photographs, memorabilia. So, you know, you, you were entering these museums and this is like, um, I was just like, it was so fascinating. And growing, you know, going back to they were probably younger than my grandparents, but growing up with my grandparents and my parents that and generation they integrated uh, society, you know, yeah, they integrated in the society and um, listening to them, they didn't necessarily keep any artifacts, you know, they didn't have, yeah. they would have marched, you know, um, but it was, I was able to begin to put those things together and begin to put it into some sort of a history for me. Um, yeah. And so it was like, um, it was very compelling. And I was just like, if people could come together and do this and like talk about history and talk about like our race, talk about race and talk about uh, systemic racism or talk about like how our society is shaped, we could probably come up with the ideas to create some sort of change because I feel like if we know the other's humanity and understand them, then, you know, of course, you know, that is, it's not being sympathetic. It's not just having empathy. It's also identifying, you know, and, and, and like being able to see, yeah, we have a choice in these things Like we don't have to, society does not have to stay the way that it, it has been. So, um, and, and I was like, Oh, you know, like, and then the, the part, I guess, like I was sitting in the back of a car and as we were going through, um, like, I mean, a lot of Alabama is still pretty rural. So um, I was like, this would be so much better on a bike. Um, and at that time, I haven't done a ride like this since. I mean, I've done, say, long distance in state, but like when I was living in Seattle, like from Seattle to Portland, which was just like mind blowing, number one. And then, um, but it's, not saying it was similar terrain because there were mountain and a lot of water <laughs> you know, in the Pacific Northwest, but uh, it was still like, uh, there were still these like grassy fields and cows. And I was like, if I, if you could do this, you could not only, you know, you could feel the energy of the place, right? Like yeah. memory is still there. You know, the, the, the landscape is, is informative. It shares, it communicates to you just soak it all up so and that's when it just clicked like should do a you know do a bike tour and call it civil bikes so in, in the back of the car this was this is what i was thinking about and so um a couple of the months wheels were spinning the wheels were literally spinning yeah. yeah yeah so i lost my job a few months later and i was like mm. now i'm gonna do what i want to do go for it <laughs> done with that <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I'm sure on that trip, you're just thinking like, listen, if they can do this in Alabama, you Mm -hmm. know, we can do this in Atlanta. Obviously the history in Atlanta, the, just the DNA of the civil rights movement and how interwoven it is with, um, you know, people and places here in the city. 
I'm sure it was just, you know, idea after idea after idea, mm-hmm. you know, after you sort of got the framework, I'm sure things, you know, started to kind of pop up on your to-do list pretty quickly of, okay, how can yeah. we start really getting the ball rolling here? Yeah. I mean, it really did. Uh, the one thing, so technically, as you know, I'm a social worker, not a business person. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> those aren't the same thing. What? <laughs> <laughs> it was not a fee for service so yeah technically um i can't say that i run a good business in a sense like hence that's why i really had another job while doing the civil bikes because um i will i i i, I see it as a community project right so sure. sometimes like it's a fee or sometimes it's really discounted or free and so it doesn't make I didn't make it a good, I'm not making it a good business, but it has, I think it's been a, a necessary thing to do mm. even for myself, you know, like sure. I have learned so much from it and hopefully other people who participated have gotten yeah. something from it too. Um, well, thinking- that's, that's kind of where I wanted to go with it too, is talk about you get started and people start experiencing this thing that you've sort of curated. Tell me about reaction to people who, are sometimes learning about these things for the first time and have a context, like we were talking about, a context of history about where they live or the place they're visiting that maybe they never had before. What what, what kind of observations are you making early on and just the reaction that you were getting? Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's like, that's a lot. Um, <laughs> there, it's, it's all over the place, you know, sure. to be honest, you know, and like you said, yes, the wills like is all kinds of things that could, happen however you know due to capital due to um i don't know connections due to you know even having a space right like or knowing that how to advertise or where to or how to connect to people all those things make a difference and um i mean i'm sure you all know like it's referrals too like you have to have people who are willing to say hey i'm gonna come this and then tell their friends about it so a lot of beginning was that word of mouth kind of thing. Um, and you know, and also just having events. At that time, there was not a lot of, there, was a, there wasn't a really, if there were rides specifically for women, I don't remember right now, but we mm-hmm. did, a, we hosted a ride for women. And um, now there's so many groups that like focus just on women. So just mm-hmm. also finding ways to, you know, do that community building part. And yeah because to me that was an important piece and i will say people appreciated that there were also not a lot of spots to gather we never really had a space for long but we were in a pop-up shop on auburn avenue that was a project that was happening in 2013 2014 we applied 2013 got it 2014 um and if i think that project has happened in a few other places but um but being able to congregate was like a and have conversation um, to bring people together was also a part of it, and I think that was beneficial. Um, and and so I got comments of like you know I had thought about doing something like this, which was affirming, but also like ah did I am I failing you know so you yeah. know so that that's a thing. Um, and then I, I will say, you know, people who come on tours or participate or or would join in, um, you know, it's like the, it was a, 
work around doing the Socratic method. And I will say even my, the way I deliver tours changed too. So it's, mm. it's the evolving over that interaction with the other person. It's organic, right? So sure. it's like we're coming into having a conversation about what we're hearing. And some of those were just like, um, I could, could have been met with silence <laughs> mm. <laughs> because um, I think no one wants to offend and no one don't want to be like, or is taking it in and, and like listening and sure. you know, going maybe later to have some sort of discussion. Um, other responses were, so, I mean, I remember there was a, a, cult, a group of people who had come in um, into town and uh, there was a like, I just, they just really, it was like a two different groups. They were part of the group that were interested and the other part just kind of wanted to see civil, um, civil war, civil war, mm -hmm. like was asking me questions about like about the civil war. Mm -hmm. And I answered the way that I could, but I was, I'm not a civil war historian. So <laughs> I would definitely give the other side. Um, sure what was sure. going on with black people during that period. So, um, and then other, you know, sometimes it's also this, um, you know, people would want to talk about what they read and bring that into it. People also mm. relate it to where they are from. You know, if they were from Illinois or from wherever, it's a, you know, this is how community was where I live too, or that side of town. You know, so there's all this relatability and um, and also sharing, you know, and and sometimes if the group was of made of different people from not a family or not a friend group, um, there would sometimes there would be that crosstalk and actual conversation. Um, so it just really depend. It it really um, I don't know. I think for me it was important to be there and like create this space that gave people the opportunity to like understand, okay, so yeah, we just crossed over this street, which is a boundary line. And mm. now we've entered into this neighborhood. You can really see and tell even today, like there is a different, you know, you can see how that road, you know, these certain roads probably divided or a name change, like, um, and then the recognition of, oh yeah, that was, I understand that that's something you don't think about it consciously, but you know, in our mind, because a rate, a, a name will go from Whiteford to Oakdale, you know, you're like, oh, yeah. okay. Um, yeah, I, now I understand <laughs> why these roads names change and yeah. what it means. Um, or even how there were trolley cars, all of street cars all over the city and, um, mm. people, uh, not only walked, we didn't, we weren't driving. We were, people were using streetcars. Yeah. You know? And so just even thinking about mobility. So um, I think, uh, and then how Atlanta grew from the central business district out um, and what were the outskirts and what it looked like. Mm -hmm. So just in an annex and in all these like neighborhoods now, but they were their own cities at one point in time. Yeah. So it's just, yeah. a, I mean, once you begin to, travel you know by foot by bike uh life slows down and the pace of things also does too and you can connect to it better as well as connect to the stories that are that you're walking or biking over and so 
you know, it, and I think that is the response that people really walk away with is like, okay, I feel like even though we might have traveled six miles, mm. uh, they really did actually travel because we went from different areas, they have a different story, and even the ease of biking or walking, you know, is less comfortable or more comfortable. There's, you know, there's so much that's layered within that. And sure. then the experience of the life on the street, you know, the people in the neighborhoods um, or, and that sort of interaction too. So, yeah. Well, yeah. and we talked about, you know, growing up in school and how learning about history was sort of this one way interaction of here's your textbook, open it up, read it. This is what, this is what happened in history. End of story. And now, you know, you and I both know now that textbooks, when we were growing up, just did not tell the whole story in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> so providing the opportunity to learn about history in the midst of a conversation with other people, um, and it's not a one-way street anymore, and you're letting people talk about their experiences and what, you know, stories that they've heard from their, like you said, their grandparents about what that time was like. It's just a richer way to learn about history. And mm -hmm. it's, a, it, it's a more truthful way, to be honest, um, and just hearing other perspectives. Mm -hmm. uh, I think about that a lot. You know, you talked about growing up in DeKalb County. I grew up in Gwinnett. Okay. We, we probably learned two very different histories, you know, <laughs> just, to be, just to be completely honest. And so now being back in Atlanta now, for me, one of the rich things now is like, being able to experience different parts of the city and learn things that I haven't known, you know, in 35 years of life and 25 of those being in Atlanta. And I'm learning new things about this city that a history book, you know, didn't even touch on. Yeah. So it's cool. It's a really cool system that you're setting up for folks um, and history buffs, you know, I'm sure like myself and, and like you are, always fascinated to, to see, okay, if we peel back the layers of the onion here, what's, what's going on underneath that. But I wanted to give you an opportunity in, in light of that, talk about what you guys are offering now. What's sort of your menu of, of things that you guys are doing now? I know obviously COVID is a, is a thing, um, but what does is, what is civil bikes look like now and, and what you guys are trying to accomplish? Yeah, um, that's a, that's, yeah, COVID man. COVID, <laughs> or my, as my wife calls it, mean old COVID, oh, yeah. mean old COVID. She's right. I mean, yeah. oh God. So that really changed things because, mm. um, the, the, you know, it's like everything is really, Atlanta, as you know, is a relational city. So mm. the connections and relationship, things were starting to like manifest and there were some plans that were ahead for that mm. for last year. And we did one tour um, and then that was it. So, mm. and that was, we didn't, we haven't done a tour since then. Um, mm. I mean, people have called to ask us, but we're not doing any person things. Last summer we, I had a grant and I did some on like online conversations. Yeah. Um, just what I thought would be uh, offering that we could offer and that could be some sort of a healing or like time, you know, in the, the period mm. of uprisings and, and COVID that we could have conversations that were, yeah. 
that would hit the mark, you know, like unraveling our allegiance to white supremacy, talking about black joy, black mm. sustainability um, in communities and um, folks who are doing, you know, these, the work in those spaces to really share and um, support and give uh, folks who are seeking something else or an opportunity to grow or learn that opportunity. Yeah. This year, um, we are, I have a, we have an app, an app that is in development. And mm. the goal is to, last year, part of, um, I just finished a Masters of Heritage Preservation at Georgia mm. State. So, Congrats. thanks. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long, those it's a things long aren't time. easy. They're no, not those easy. things are not easy. not easy. Not at this point in life. Mm. Um, and, uh, Part of that was supposed to be like co-creating, you know, the difference, looking at the difference of our, the method I had been using, um, answering my own questions and like digging and finding and whatever, but co-creating with community. And um, so that didn't happen, mm -hmm. right? So I just ended up critiquing my own work. And from that point, like, I felt like there was always something else, but I couldn't quite pinpoint what that other thing would be. But mm -hmm this process and last year really helped to define that and sort of bring some clarity to what that other thing was and so we're on a, we're having a storytelling festival is what i call it but it's giving people the opportunity to tell their stories their histories um it could be something like i live in this neighborhood and i want to share this neighborhood history or it could be they're something about their family, or it could be like, I'm a hat maker and I want to talk about all the hat makers that used to live. Mm -hmm. But you know, they're connecting that story to physical spaces, which may or may not still be there. But sure. so, you know, it's a it's a virtual tour, basically. So yeah. that is a that um, and it's a democratization of history. You know, that's what public history is about. That's what tours and museums are. Mm -hmm. Um but it's it's giving people the agency too and the thing that i learned as a social worker working with young people folks will always want to tell their story you know people want to share um it's not something that we and that's how we're created you know we're designed to really share ourselves with others our stories yeah. are they are the proof that we existed you know they're our legacy regardless of if we are you know seen as a significant or great person in history and there's a building with our name on it um, it's that everyday lived experience that is really amazing. And, and that's what creates our society, you know, it's the everyday person. So that's one thing. And then the other thing, there's um, working on getting some advocacy, working on some developing this. Mm -hmm. And, and um, so that will say that will probably be in May, um, where it's, we'll begin to put it into action. Um, and then probably another uh, conversation series, um, looking at some intersections of uh, the built environment, history, and um, mobility, environmental justice, like um, kind of exploring that. Um, I'm a Beltline scholar and right now too, and part of that is uh, my paper is going to look at those same intersections. Um, yeah, so I think that's what we're doing. I mean, the virtual, there's the virtual space. 
and hopefully that'll be available. The goal is like end of March, April. Um, but that's kind of, those are the primary things. Um, and, you know, post COVID, we'll see where we're at, you know, like um, maybe tours would be it, but maybe it'll be something else. Like, uh, but I, I think, you know, the continuation, continuing to bring people together around history, place, mobility. I don't think that's ever going to go away. Sure. It just may continue to, to change some. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I think COVID has taught us all to um, <laughs> hold plans a little more lightly in our, our grasp. Um, mm -hmm. And really, like you said, just sort of hone in on purpose and okay, what a yes, I do all these things, but ultimately what's, you know, what's the purpose? What are we trying to accomplish here? So I'm sure, um, you know, whatever that looks like coming out of, out of the longest winter ever, <laughs> it seems like we'll, we'll hone in on that purpose for you. But I wanted to ask you, Nedra, before I let you go, um, you've done a lot of things to facilitate um, education and learning for other people. Um, I'm curious to know what this experience has done for you. What, what um, has it, has it impacted you? Has it changed you? What, what has learning all these things and kind of diving into this journey? Um, how's it left you different? Yeah. That's a really good question. Um, and I'm going to start easy and then I'm going to go like harder, more, <laughs> more vulnerability. The easy thing is um, I've been able to dovetail social work and this, you know, civil bikes into a job. <laughs> I now I work at the Center for Civic Innovation and yeah. do, you know, community engagement for them. I mean, it's all virtual, but like that sort of way of, like you said, bringing people into the space, right? Informing them and um, making it really about the, that person um, is important. Like that's, that's you know, and, and, and it's like a data, you know, it's a data heavy organization and um, really working very well with um, say structures and, and they want to interrupt structures but you know, bringing community in that is a is also a thing too. So I've been able to get a job that I feel like maybe I can grow and develop my skill set in that more. Yeah. So that's an opportunity, and then take care of myself. <laughs> yeah. So that, but then I think the question that you're really asking is, um, yeah, how did that change me? I think it changed me in a couple of ways. It was not easy. Um, as you know, having a business is not easy. Like there are a lot of demands. There are a lot of own like personal aspirations that are tied to it. Even if it is something that's like about the good of the people um, that because of whatever barriers, there's a lot of, it's also very painful too. And having to adjust to like plans, what plans, you know? Right. Right. So, it's learning how to um, let go and really, I want to say go with the flow because I don't know if least resistance is a thing. Having some resistance is great because we learn from that. 
So really how to take those challenges and or what could be considered failures and learn from it um, and see it as iteration, you know, like we're iterating, we're testing, you know, I'm testing, I'm learning. So it was a continual process of maybe even my language, right? Like the words that I'm saying and how I'm expressing it. So learning and trying to also adapt and change and grow um, in front of other people. So it's like that constant exposure. It is tough. Um, uh, and then just like really being disappointed in society. Like, you know, like, hmm. come on world, <laughs> come on world. I resonate but, with that, Nedra. Yeah. <laughs> I resonate with that. Yeah. yeah, and but 2020 happened, you know? Hmm. And I think we had to, we had to sit down, all of us had to sit down with ourselves and like really think hard and critical of ourselves and of society and like you know what we have access to who's in my community like if i needed help like where would i go outside of my family you know it's just like what relationships am i nurturing have i nurtured so i think um i don't know if it was this last year was a it was might have been slowed down in some ways but like life really sped up in other ways i feel like i i got 10 years older you know <laughs> yeah. or 20 years older mm. so um so I think it's, it's a lot of uh internal like that internal angst but um I also feel very much more connected internally and more integrated into myself mm. um the learning about history that like as you say we didn't learn in school the books just didn't quite do it um I think I learned and have a better appreciation for appreciation for um, the lived experience of my family members mm. um, and also just of, of, you know, how of this, I understand it more. And I feel like if I also could think about it in this way, I could maybe figure out how to interrupt it, you know, like, I just think I just have a better understanding of life. And um, I didn't have a handbook for that. So sure. yeah, sure. more grounded as a person. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, one of those, uh, those entrepreneurial or, or business, um, you know, phrases of jumping out of the plane and figuring out how to work the parachute on the way down type of things, you know, it's, it's important, but well, and I think what you said there too, it just kind of brings it back to what we were talking about as far as, um, you know, when you know, we all want to be known. Uh, we all want to be able to identify with one another. And when we can do that, we're a lot less likely to be jerks to each other. Mm -hmm. um, so if we've all learned that in 2020, uh, especially with what happened in this city and the things that we went through and, the, and what we learned about each other, then hopefully we're more likely to empathize uh, with one another and uh, grow closer together as a community because of that. And I wanted to thank you for what you're doing to, to uh, help educate uh, folks on where we've been as a city uh, hopefully um, impacts where we're going in a big way. So thank you for yeah, that. Thank you but, for the opportunity to share. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Nedra. It's been, uh, it's been a pleasure getting to know you a little bit. And um, I want you to leave us with um, just where can we learn more about civil bikes? Where can folks connect with you if they're interested? Yeah. So I'll say the best place is our website, civilbikes.com. 
And then um, Instagram handle civil underscore bikes is better than any other social media platform. So awesome. yeah, stay in touch. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for your time today, Nedra. And, yeah. and like you said, stay in touch. Let us know if there's anything we can do to, to move the ball forward. Yeah, sounds good. Throughout history and even still today, Atlanta's culture has been influenced by a spirit of justice and resistance. We hope that y'all are inspired to dive deeper into the history of this amazing, resilient city. To find out more about Civil Bikes and the work they're doing, visit their website, civilbikes.com, or find them on Instagram at civil underscore bikes. Atlanta Born and Brand is a production of Connects Media. We're a full-service digital media company focused on helping small businesses tell their story in the most effective way they can. If you'd like us to tell the story of your business, we would love to help. You can find us at connectstatl.com. Make sure to subscribe to Atlanta Born and Brand and Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to be listening. If you like the show, we'd really appreciate a review and a rating. And of course, share it with your friends. Keep up with the show on social media. We're at ATL Born Brand on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also like our Atlanta Born and Brand Facebook page. Finally, you can find all the previous episodes of the show on our website, atlborn.com. For Atlanta Born and Brand and Connects Media, I'm Jonathan Hilliard. Thanks for listening, and I'll see y'all soon.